Welcome to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help media companies and other companies with strategic direction, separating their products successfully from competitors, helping them understand consumers, and of course, getting attention in the environment in which you're judged. I call that environment the environment where you make your money. And working with RPC, that's our company, is all about growing your revenue. Everybody pretty much knows the consumer behavior is changing so rapidly, more rapid than ever before. Find out how to protect yourself and grow your brands. If you know somebody who's looking for fresh answers, we'd love to help. About to have a new year, everything's going to be fresh and new. How about you? We are confident and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime, FOR at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event, which happens every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, is designed to encourage you, especially if you believe in innovation, you believe innovation is important in your business. Today's guest, Daryl Hively, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Guarantee Digital, is ill. He and I had some conversation earlier this morning. He doesn't know if it's COVID-related or something else. And as you may know, we believe in this simple philosophy, people first, strategy and process next, and then accomplishment. COVID is no joke. We wish Daryl a fast recovery, and uh, that's no matter if it's COVID or anything else for that matter. So you must be thinking right now, what will innovation in audio actually be today? Why it's going to require some innovation, of course. We are calling this episode of our live event and podcast an innovative look at your future. We want to take this opportunity right now, the last episode of Innovation and Audio of the Year, to share with you some great moments from 2021 that allow us to give you a little peek inside your future and give you a view of what this live event is like every single Wednesday. By the way, our schedule is absolutely stacked into the new year. We're already preparing ahead of time. You can check out the full schedule in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also where you'll find a ton of free resources to help you if, if you have a broadcast career, a career in audio any kind, or you just simply love innovation and want to know how to turn it on. I want to share a moment right now about Joe Kelly uh, before I go any further and just JoeProductions.com. Joe, you have done such a great job this year when it comes to our audio and helping make our podcast actually appear regularly. I just wanted to thank you right now publicly for all you're doing in front of everybody. I want everybody to know what an incredible job you are doing with us and how incredible you are. You certainly are encouraging, and I appreciate you being on our team. Listen, we promised a series of views on this live event about how you encourage innovation, how difficult it is to influence innovation. And I thought, you know what, for this event, I think that means starting with Jim Lee, who's the chief innovation officer at Audible. Obviously, innovation is hard. It's ambiguous. You know, one of my first questions was, how do you influence innovation at scale and how do you measure it at scale? And, you know, we we dedicated a fair amount of time to innovation, as most organizations do. And so hunting down and tracking all of that innovation and figuring out how we could you know, best use our resources was a big problem that needed to be solved. And I was looking for a big challenge. So I, uh, I raised my hand and said, you know, 
I'll take that. That sounds like a fun challenge. I just looked at you a little bit, uh, you know, in kind of the trail of your accomplishments. And man, you really are somebody who reaches out and learns new things and, and gets on board with challenges. And boy, innovation, in my opinion, it's the biggest challenge. It also might be the most exciting job where you work. It is so exciting. In fact, uh, one of the first projects that I worked on, um, which is a little bit, might be a little bit ironic, uh, coming from an audiobook company, was a project we call Audible Live, and it was uh, bringing content to our, you know, to our listening community in a new and innovative way that involved video. So, you know, my first project in innovation at an audio company was to bring video, like you know, behind the scenes, behind the story, interviews with our content creators or our, our narrators. Uh, and that was really exciting. In about maybe six weeks, we brought live video across all of our different surfaces, you know, Android, iOS, web, um, even our Alexa surfaces, the ability to, you know, watch and engage in, in more content. Well, and, and I got to tell you, that has to be pretty, um, talk about being responsible and being accountable and, and being the person that drives that innovation. Those visuals have to be really interesting. It was, it was a challenge, um, you know, working with totally new teams, uh, working with the, the audiovisual team and our content creators and getting people on camera, especially during a pandemic, right? When we, we couldn't even be in the studio. Oh, so, oh. you know, relying on people's home internet bandwidth for, for streaming video, that was, uh, it was a super fun challenge to, to solve. I have to admit, it's probably been one of my favorite projects that I've worked on. And I got to tell you, you know, you just don't think about that kind of stuff. But I remember watching the Today Show, which is a pretty big deal, struggle with the technology of what people had going on at home, even their own team, right? Yeah, we, we figured it out real fast that uh, sometimes you need to ship things, right, to people to make sure that they've got exactly what, what you need them to have to, you know, produce something that is almost as good as hopefully as what you could have done in the studio. 100%. In any organization, change, innovation, adjustment can be met with challenges. You've already kind of talked about that a little bit. You touched on that, but some of these challenges can be organic in the business. It can be part of, I don't know what you call institution or institutionalization, and it can be slowed by the very success of an organization itself. What is your role at, in specifically overcoming these kinds of challenges at Audible? Because y'all have been really successful in a lot of ways with with people. Yeah, and you know, you're right. With a large company, it's, it's hard to move really fast. And especially with such a large organization, finding all of these great ideas and surfacing, you know, the greatest of great ideas so you can put more power behind it to you know, make it a reality was uh, was a big challenge for me and something that i did that you know i thought was fairly innovative is you know process innovation how do you implement processes to help you know your 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 people your teams focus on the right problems to solve and the right problems are usually what's best for the customer right uh, and innovation is only an innovation if a customer says it's an innovation if they adopt it if they you know they vote with their time with their money there's a really great book I can recommend for anyone attacking such a large uh, project is it's called Think Like a Rocket Scientist by Ozan yes. Verl. And uh, the, it's all about, you know, first principles. What problem are you trying to solve? Um, and sometimes it isn't what you think. 
challenging with professionals who are dealing with software or or because of where they are, because of the work that they do, it, are they actually more open to change than other teams that you've worked on? Great question. Change is hard, right? Um, but you know, software folks are unique in that they're makers and in tech we're tinkerers by nature. We want to innovate. You know, sometimes it's easier to build something new that's exciting than it is to, you know, write a document to explain something or, you know, to work as, on the business as usual stuff. Um, so, and I'm, I'm sure when you think like innovation, you're thinking, well, what's the next clubhouse? But you know, innovation, especially tech innovation, includes solving all sorts of problems from end to end to the customer. So you know, harnessing that energy and desire to innovate is hard. But you know, channeling it towards the problems your business is trying to solve was, I think, in software, the hardest the hardest part. Boy, I tell you, that's really true. And every time you say, you know, uh, innovation is hard, I think about Elon Musk talking about space is hard. And I'm sorry, I think, you know what, this might be the only other subject that is equally as hard as space, right? Change is really hard for people. Change is really hard. And especially when you have a lot of change going on in, you know, in, in especially thinking even here in, in Clubhouse, like there's a lot of stuff going on and, and finding out, you know, what's the good stuff is right. hard and then surfacing it to the top. Right, right, totally true. And and listen, you see so much attention coming directly to the audio space now, and and there you sit. You're the you're the the chief technical officer for innovation, right? You're the head of technical innovation at Audible. There you sit. Where where do you see the future of audio going? Whew, that's kind of what keeps me up at night, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so many variables like how you listen when you listen why you listen you know are you in the car are you wearing headphones are you at home uh do you have one speaker do you have many speakers are you in a public space or a private space you know is audio kid friendly does production value matter like all of these questions are really key drivers in where audio could be going in the future right any one of these oh, could yeah. be a different branch how about um, this? How about this one? How about I, I would be curious to know if you think about this one. Uh, what about length of audio? How long do people want to listen? That's great. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, where you are, what your purpose is. You know, why are you listening? Are you um, are you on a plane and trying to block out? you know, everything that's going on around you? Or, right. you know, are you waiting for your kid to get out of, you know, ballet practice so you have a little time to kill? Uh, are you in a car on a long drive? Are you trying to go to sleep? Um, or are you trying to learn something? So the, the why is a critical driver and that's where really understanding the problem that your customer is facing is really important when you're trying to be innovative in anything really. All right. So what do you see as the number one challenge to innovation at Audible and perhaps to the influence of audio in general? What's what's the big hang up? Mm, that's I mean, it's, it's a good question, because I, I feel like we're doing a lot of really innovative stuff. Um, you know, our, our content, you know, having our own uh, Audible originals, our own studios gives us the flexibility to be innovative with content. And, you know, content is king, really, when it comes to audio. Uh, you only have so much time in a day to spend on entertainment or, or, you know, education or whatnot. So the content has to be really, really good. And, you know, we've we've done a lot of stuff during the pandemic. People were facing challenges with like sleep, right? Everyone's stressed out. So, you know, we, we launched a sleep series. Um, we 
innovating in how we produce our content such that, you know, we have words and music combining, you know, the story behind the story and then having music within that, I think is something that was very innovative for us as well as, you know, last, last year, I think it was, or the year before we released uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which was super innovative in audio. If you, if you close your eyes, you can imagine being in almost like a movie theater and, and seeing, you know, this, this comic book character come to life. You know, and a lot of, I think, other things that are happening in the industry, like hardware. Hardware is doing some catch-up right now because audio on open-air speakers has been, you know, the norm for so long. And headphones were like, you know, you, you get either your super, super high-end over-the-ear headphones or your, you know, cheap, you know, earbuds. But now the headphones themselves, I think, you know, especially with the Apple AirPods and, and all of the cool technologies that are happening there, I think, you know, are really changing what we can do with audio. So, okay, here, do you keep up with the movers and shakers inside the entertainment industry? I thought you might have something for that. Phil Garini moved from Disney to the Jonas Group Entertainment in Nashville. And Phil talked to us on innovation and audio about influencers and innovation. He had some really interesting thoughts about that and about tribes. It's changed. Um, and that's because it's a different generation. They see success, fame, and all those other things in very different ways. This is a generation who's growing up with, with influencers and people that you know uh, are famous for things that we in past generations wouldn't necessarily consider talent. And I have people come to me, it's like, well, we look at these influencers, they, they don't have any talent. And it's like, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. They might not have the talent in the way that you define talent, or some might define talent as a dancer, a singer, a, you know, a, a, an actor, a sports, whatever. That What their talent is, is they're able to engage with people, connect with people. Ah. That's a talent. Yes. Not, not all of us can do that. Um, and when you can do it at a level that engages and influences people, you become an influencer. And brands and businesses and others want to work with you because you're able to move people. All right. So I got two more questions for you. Yeah. But these, these questions, you've already touched on them, okay. which I thought was brilliant, but I really want to probe them. And okay. so it's two questions. I'll ask them back to back, and then I'll let you rest right before we ask people if they've got questions. Okay, sure. So it looks like to me, okay, that one of the things that you look to do is make certain that artists have uh, a tribe building building mentality or that they have some proven ability to have a tribe uh, as they kind of like they are thinking and they are threading because you know Mm -hmm. my wife is you know my wife and Mm -hmm. she's been in situations where she's out on tour bus with artists and they don't have a vision for where they are and it's a real struggle because they've gotten themselves in the spotlight i I see a, a lot of fan stoke tribes and your artist wake yeah and is that a part of the philosophy that you've had at disney and now at jonas group entertainment that just goes with you yeah i, I mean building what what we call communities is uh, is, is integral today um it, it was in the past it's even more so today however more important than just the tribe building is as, as you say um is to ensure that the tribe no matter how large or small it is, is an engaged one. I would rather have, and I tell my my artists all the time, I'd rather have a thousand quality members of a community than 10,000, 100,000, a million that are window shoppers. 
um, it, it makes all the difference in the world. All right. So this is, uh, this is really where, uh, you know, I keep, I keep thinking about that phrase you use where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. When I see you talk, you talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as a matter of fact, I'm a little startled, you know, with the bullet train that you dropped a few minutes ago, <laughs> I, I'm like, wow, this guy's so serious about, you know, you're almost like, uh, mm-hmm. almost like one of those oncology doctors who just tells you the way it is. You know, they don't, they don't, it's like, I'm sure you sit down with these artists and they're, they're a little bit shocked at what you tell yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, you seem to place an extraordinary focus on fully developed strategy for your artist. I see that Jonas Group Entertainment uh, looks innovative for certain and and that your team is working on management, publishing, and marketing. Are, are there just certain things that you like to see fully developed with every artist or do, do, you know, do you have different expectations in planning strategy and where you go with an artist? Like, is it all different for each one of them? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and not, not only each one of them, but every aspect of the business that we're in. Um, there, there is a different strategy for acknowledging where it's coming in, um, what needs to be done, um, what uh, you know is within our control, what's beyond our control. But yeah, I, I, um, I, I appreciate the, the, the recognition of, uh, of what has been many years of effort. There, there, is, uh, there must be um, a strategy. There must be a plan. Um, and uh, although some are, are not uh, often up for um, just how methodical it may feel or seem at, at, at times. Um, the plan works. Um, the strategy works. Um, and uh, um, it takes uh, uh, a village and then some um, to often pull these, these things off. Um, and, uh, and, and yet it's, it's been my, uh, my experience and my consistent success and, and, and those of many artists that, that I've worked with that have employed. Um, and even during the bridge between my, my Disney um, uh, career and, and this new chapter, um, I was working with artists who have literally seen 200, 500% increases in just doing simple things. You're getting experiences from our innovation and audio events in 2021. If you wonder how we plan to kick off 2022, man, I got to tell you, we got a great one for Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. And uh, here's what we've got planned for you. We absolutely know that there are many ways to look at innovation. and We want to actually present all of those different ways to you. So John Merrill is going to join us. He is literally the Alabama Secretary of State, and he will be our first guest of 2022. You can join us for a visit with John. He's going to be live with us from Montgomery, Alabama on January 5th. We will be talking about innovation in the state of Alabama, how they do it, how they believe that the innovation century is going to be alive and well and innovative, of course, in the state of Alabama. And I know you'll get excited about that because it's going to be a really interesting look inside a state's innovation process. You know, we've been very fortunate in being able to spend some time. We actually set aside some time with Mike McVeigh on innovation and audio, specifically talking about the state of the radio industry. And he really 
had some interesting thoughts about the listener experience at radio today and about radio's relationship with listeners. This is perhaps more important than ever, and there are challenges. But I, I do not feel that we have lowered the audience's expectation. I think we failed it in many situations. Mm -hmm. You know, we've degraded the listening experience, uh, but I remain hopeful that we can repair our relationship with the audience. Absolutely. But unfortunately, radio has not failed enough yet. Radio has not yet failed enough to lower its spot loads, to mm. invest in marketing and research, to do things that would improve the listening experience. You know what, Until, that's, that's, that's yeah. brilliant. That's brilliant, yeah. and that right there is true. When that yeah. happens, things will change. Yeah, right? and as, as long as you're able to pay your mountainous debt or kick the can down the road, <laughs> you're, you're not going to see anyone voluntarily give up money to improve the product. But it's what's going to have to happen, and unfortunately, we have to fail more for that to happen. Music stations need to bring back music discovery. We need to play significantly fewer commercials. We need to encourage personalities to be entertainers, get rid of liner cards and let them communicate, do research to satisfy the audience's wants and needs, and, and market the stations. What's amazing to me is that we used to do those things, and that's what increased the value of radio stations to where people paid huge multiples. Mm -hmm. We need to improve our digital streams. And, and I think, in, in my belief, if I could wave a magic wand, everybody would be total line reporting. Instead of your station breaking away, when I listen online, and by the way, most people today listen on a smart speaker or their phone or on a computer, about the only time they listen to it on, us on a radio is in their car. And so that listening experience online should match what's coming out over the air. So you're not hearing, you're not hearing upcuts, you're not hearing commercials cut off. You're not hearing jingles misfire. It just needs to be a lot better than what we're giving the audience today. How important is it to have exceptional social media that you know employers are going to see because they're surely going to look at it in the hiring process today, or at least the good employers will be doing that? How aggressive do you feel a talent should be in the area of social media, even in getting a job? Well, I, th I think social media is important. And and by the way, it is important to me because it's one of my marketing tools. Um, right. I learned a lot from Lori Lewis, the social media consultant, who I know that you've had. Yeah, she knows a few interviews. things. <laughs> yeah, and, and she taught me how important it was to have a routine. And so on Mondays, I push out my Radio Inc. article. On Wednesdays, I usually push out something or share something I saw that I liked. Thursday is my throwback Thursday. Friday, if there's something cool out there that I've seen someone else did, I will share that as well. But for me, it's a marketing tactic as well as connectivity. I mean, I like getting feedback from people on it. And I think that's what talent and programmers should do for their careers as well as their audience. I will tell you this. You've got to be on social media who you are on the air. You can't be one or the other. You know, there was a time in radio when I was starting, that we might sit down with a male host, a female host, and, um, you know, a teenage intern and say to them, okay, here's your roles. Kathy, you're married with a kid. And Kathy says, but I'm not married. Well, for the show, you are. We can't do that today. I mean, you know, re reality is there. And today, everyone is raw fibers. Everyone's genuine material. 
There's no, you know, fake material here in our fibers. There's a lot of following going on in the radio business, Mike McVeigh. How about independent companies? Let's talk about them for a minute. Non-corporate companies and, and pure local radio companies, how do they leverage advantage over corporations today? Because we all know that people talk about the advantages that the corporations have. They're big. They've got a lot of leverage. If you're local and and you're small, how do you take advantage? You know, you have speed and ability to change direction in a moment's notice. Um, when consolidation kicked in, I was consulting a number of privately owned stations that have since been sold to bigger companies. One such station was WMASFM in Springfield, Massachusetts. We were locally owned and up against what was then Clear Channel and is now iHeart. And and when iHeart bought WHYN-FM, we all felt sure they were going to roll over us. And we hustled, we contested, we appeared everywhere we could in the community. We made fun of their group contests on the air, and, and we kept them from beating us. And a year or so later, I was consulting some Clear Channel radio stations, and I was in a meeting with one of their corporate programmers. And, and I asked him, you know, about that situation where WMAS held them off. And by the way, today still holds them off, but held them off. And he said to me, almost as if it was matter of fact, well, we can't react that quickly. How, how are we going to compete against a mm. local owner like that? And and he described their company at that time as if it were a cruise ship, and my individual owner was a speedboat flying around them. And so that's the difference between being in a big situation and a smaller situation. And I go back to something I said earlier about you know corporate radio. It's really about the market managers. Some stations owned by large corporations have market managers who operate with speed and are uh, definitely strong at adapting to whatever they need to do to improve their content, their product, and sell more advertising. How do you get attention in a job search? What do you think that looks like from the hiring side, I know you know, and what kind of process do managers have to go through today? And and what are they dealing with in the corporate radio business to get that hire? Well, everybody needs, let, let me put, you know, the corporate or the consultant hat on for a second. Everybody needs great talent and everyone needs great programmers. My youngest daughter is in the business and is in her third job of being on air over the last 10 years. Before she got into radio, she was a wannabe actress, worked a little bit in L.A., found herself as a casting director or part of a casting crew. And she changed my perspective because she said once she sat in the casting side, she realized they want to find that actress or actor so they can move on to the next role to feel. And, and it's the same thing for, for programmers. They want to find the great talent that's out there and everybody needs great programmers you can go to conferences you can send letters to the trades social media is a great way to make yourself high profile and form your own little network of people to share ideas with much like you're doing lloyd with your two different groups people can do that on their own be it clubhouse or just getting together i always found that when i focused on my job and winning the next bigger job found me. 
I can't tell you when I wrote a resume in Senate, the next biggest job found me because I focused on winning and it just came to happen. You want to be successful, work hard at it, work harder than anybody else. I have never considered myself to be the most intelligent programmer in a room with other programmers. But I can tell you, I can get by in four hours of sleep. <laughs> and I will work 20 hours a day and make sacrifices that I know other people won't make. That's what you have to have, right? Of course, our live events on the Clubhouse app result in two podcasts every single week or two podcast episodes, if you will. And we ask you to by grabbing them with a free download in your app store on your smartphone. Just subscribe to our podcast. Of course, the podcast associated with this live event on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific is called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. Our Monday night events result in the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. Both podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you can get your podcast today. It's so much fun for us to talk with innovators because they're often compelled by necessity to invent something new, go in a different direction, or to do this kind of work. Maybe it's in their DNA. We talked with a guy named Pat Miller. Now, he's he calls himself the idea coach, and he talked to us on innovation and audio about clarity and confidence. Let's listen in. When you say idea coach, you think, oh, this is a guy that walks around the whiteboard all the time, right? It's all about coming up with new things to do, and yeah. you know, it's all about execution, yeah. not ideas. And while that's a hobby, and I do enjoy it. What I do with the idea coach is my idea coaching equals clarity. And my point is to get with a small business owner and give many of them the one thing that many of them are missing, which is confidence and clarity of what they should do next, especially, especially for solopreneurs and for folks that don't have a big team around them, because they may think they're doing the right thing, but we all have blind spots and we all have things that we second guess ourselves on. So ideas and uh, constructive conversations around creativity are important for small business owners because we can then understand with confidence what we should be doing next to connect with our end user and position our company and try and grow moving forward. It's all about helping someone find clarity and confidence in what they do for a living. And where we start with idea coaching is not unlike how you coach talent. What gets you fired up? Why are you on the planet? What do you like to read? What brings you joy? And then how do we take all of that and get the results we're looking for? Clarity is the best word I can think of because I've been trying to find the right word that encapsulates uh, focused action and what should I do next and confidence in what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm using clarity in that way, saying there's a million different things we can all do. What am I going to do now? What is the right thing? I should? What's the next best step? So that's why I keep on using the word clarity because when you have all of these different things that you can do, we get paralyzed with choice and we don't know what to do next. And when you're a solopreneur, especially, wow, should I be working on my social media? Should I be writing the thing for the client? Should I be balancing? Like, what should I do next? And sometimes those choices slow people down and they paralyze them. So I like to use the word clarity because my process is trying to help people to figure out of all the things you could do, what's the one thing you should be doing? Because when you know it's only one or two things, then you can run really fast and get after it. 
Don't forget Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the radio rally on Clubhouse right here inside the Encouragers. January 3rd, 2022, Bruce Logan is going to be with us. He's the operations manager and brand content director for Hubbard Broadcasting in West Palm Beach, Florida. And you're going to want to hear what he says about radio, the future of radio, and of course, what the future of content looks like. You are actually listening to a special live event and podcast called An Innovative Look at Your Future. I'm Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, and this is Innovation in Audio. We had a very interesting visit with somebody that I really have uh, enjoyed a blossoming friendship with, Ahmad Bazid, who is actually a doctor. He was the team leader on something that you and I know as Alexa. He is now the founder and CEO of Witlingo. Dr. Bazid talked with us on Innovation and Audio about failing. That's right, failing. And he also talked about the nature of innovation. 90% of uh, 90% of success is just work, right? Or maybe 99%. I'd say 90% expect to fail 90% of the time. Um, so, tr- so do try as many times as possible because you will succeed, but you'll fail a lot more than you'll succeed. Uh, and so when you fail, understand that that is the nature of the beast. Um, if you want to be in the world of innovation, you know, expect to fail a lot um, and be prepared to, 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 to fail a lot. Just make sure that you don't hurt yourself when you fail. I mean, right. I mean when you enter into a venture, know that the likelihood of failing is, is there. Um, but the thing is, you know, what does failure mean? Um, well, if you are going towards a goal and you are constantly learning as you, as you strive towards that goal, um, and you're learning in the process, then you will see things that will enable you to cushion the failure so that you can pivot into something um, that you've learned, right? And because you've learned that thing, now you're a little bit more robust. Because we're able to I, make all those mistakes, uh, we are robust. We're, we're, not, we're not tightly wound to do perfectly and then to collapse when things uh, you know, uh, you know, go a little bit awry. I think more than ever, I think we need to think. We need to think before we use technology. We need to think hard. And we need to be a lot more involved than we have been up to this point. I mean, up to this point, you have Apple and they and they launched the iPhone and we receive the iPhone and we just use it, right? Absolutely. I mean, right. We're just receivers of these products from these, you know, uh, companies in the mount, right? They well, now, know. <laughs> and now we feel entitled to it also, right? Right. Exactly. Right. I think we need to be a lot more. I think we need to be a lot more involved. In 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 in, the, in these products, in terms of what products are being built, why are they being built, what kind of an effect they have. This live event and our podcast are actually where you can always turn for encouragement. Nobody probably needs that more encouragement, by the way, than sellers who go out of their way every single day and hear no, 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 yes, no, no, no. Well, we have something planned just for local radio sellers, local sales managers, and market managers. We call it the 2022 Sales Liftoff, planning your bigger revenue year. It's going to happen on Thursday, January 13, 2022 at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we'll be joined by sales consultant Alex Drake, who just spent 15 years at Cumulus Media in Dallas. I will be with him. We'll open up a panel of sales partners and experts to discuss your Q1, recruiting new sellers, and a roundtable with actionable items to help you and your team grow revenue in 2022. The revenue partners for this Q1 event, Chuck Wood is going to be with us, and Scott Howard. Chuck Wood, you may know, is the VP 
and general manager of Delta Media Corporation. They are a multimedia company comprised of seven television and nine radio stations in South Louisiana. And check this out. You know that Scott Howard does a lot of writing for us with our encouraging sales success series. But not just that. He's the actual sales manager at WoWo Radio, Federated Media in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Every single Wednesday, we make it our business to talk with real-world innovators. Right now, you're listening to an innovative look at your future. This gives you the feel for the kind of innovators that appear every single week, weekend and week out, on innovation and audio. One of our favorite interviews this year was with a gentleman named Mike Pell. You may remember that Mike is the director of one of the 14 global Microsoft garages in the world. His New York City Microsoft garage is kind of special. He talked with us on innovation and audio about how misused and unpredictable innovation is. Yeah, um, innovation is a very loaded word these days. It, you know, everybody seems to be using it for a lot of different reasons. But right. as you just said, Lloyd, um, at the heart of it is this notion that it, it is unpredictable. I mean, you, you cannot sit down and say, I'm going to be innovative right now. Uh, you can say, I'm going to try to think differently. I'm going to try to you know, use a growth mindset. I'm going to you know, think about and experiment with and, and be curious about things that I'm not really sure if they're going to work or not. But, you know, the, the biggest problem for people who are trying to be innovators is that it is very messy and very unpredictable. Mm. And you just have to go with it. You just have to try it, see if it works, doesn't work, try it again, go a different direction. And that's sort of inherent. And one thing that, you know, many people run into is they, their investors or, you know, certain other people they talk to might want data to support their assumptions or the things that they want to try. And the fact is, you can never put together enough data before you try something. You just got to do it. How can you research something before it occurs? Yeah, you can gather a lot of great information. You can have some perhaps precedence or similar things. Mm -hmm. But if you're actually trying to truly innovate, you're trying to truly leap forward or create some type of a real breakthrough, there's no data to support that until you actually go do it. Curiosity drives your interest in all things creative, technology, and future, doesn't it? It really does. Curiosity is at the heart of just about everything we do in the Microsoft Garage and also for me personally. And, and let me go back to something you said a minute ago, uh, and we were talking about risk, and, and really we didn't label it, but failure. Failure is a frequent friend of yours, right? I mean... Nobody wants to say it, but you learn more from failure than you do success. I was just going to say that, Lloyd. I, I'm not a big mm -hmm. fan of failing, but yet I fail every single day because and I'm trying day. things. I'm, I'm being experimented. Oh, absolutely. Multiple times a day. It's kind of like you if be, you're not failing, you're not experimenting, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, ask any scientist and they'll tell you most experiments fail, right? Um, mm -hmm. They learn something always. I Personally, I don't like romanticizing the notion of failing or failing fast. There's nothing romantic or good about failing, yeah. frankly, yeah. except it's uncomfortable, except, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, except that you learn. And it's absolutely the only way um, to learn. So should you embrace failure um, only to the extent that you know it's good for you and you know are that you, something's coming out of it? Are you good at, um, what would you say, compartmentalizing failure and staying positive? I think so. I'm a pretty optimistic and positive person in general. And, and failing to me is just part of the process. It's, All right, it's no, no better or worse than any other part. 
we love talking to people about innovation. And when we say we love talking to people about it, we mean people who are really actually clearly doing innovation. Can you tell us about Microsoft Garage? Of course. Microsoft Garage is a worldwide program that helps employees to take their ideas and move them forward in some way. You know, we all have great ideas, and, and it's true that good ideas come from anywhere and everywhere. And so why leave it to just a small set of people to try to come up with the next great thing when we all have something to contribute? And so we've created a program to allow our employees to work with our ecosystem partners and our customers in some cases to take those ideas and try to move them forward in a meaningful way, try to reduce them to something that can be tested, that can be tried, but very, very quickly. Not something that's going to take six months or a year. It's going to take six hours you know, or, or a week at the most. Do something that we can try to see where it can go. And that's sort of at the heart of the innovation part of this is taking you know, everyone's great ideas and moving them forward. But also the reason that we did the garage program was to help change the culture of Microsoft, to try it to be more experimental, more curious, all the things we just talked about, Lloyd, so that that was part of how everyone uh, behaved and thought and acted on a daily basis. Find out what our guests talk about every single week, including ways we can help your career become even better and certainly more innovative by subscribing directly and for free to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. We have great guests and insight every single week that can help you grow, learn, and meet the challenges of your career in the 21st century. You can meet our guests live on the Clubhouse app, or you can subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We have two podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally Podcast, and both are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. You know, Daniel and Steneg, he knows innovation. By the way, if you don't know Daniel, he is the CEO and co-founder of Futuri Media. He does so much around innovation in media specifically. You know what? He talks about his personal fascination with innovation, and he takes us inside being an entrepreneur and inside innovation itself on innovation and audio. I have. I've always been fascinated with innovation and entrepreneurs who are problem solvers. I think it's, you know, it's it's actually uh, it's it's as close to my heart as patriotism and, you know, being a, a proud American. Frankly, I just believe it's a really important part of of being able to live a free life is to be an entrepreneur and help to solve problems. And um, and so I, I yes, I mean, I do love innovation. I, I love reading about and looking up to innovators. And I feel like I learn mm. every day and I feel like I get a new MBA every year, especially being involved in the media business, because it's changing so fast. And, yes. and it only seems to be accelerating. You know, in media, many of us have gotten very good at making careers out of taking what our predecessors did and making it 10 percent better. And that's like you know, the the jobs that we've had in the media industry from that's decades. A, that's, that's the slow lane for you, right? <laughs> that's what inspired Futuri, was actually creating turnkey technology and software that media companies could use to go create audience, digital audiences and digital revenue without having to give up what, we, what media does so well and what we've built a multi-billion dollar industry around. What does radio struggle with in terms of content, in your opinion? Well, okay, there's uh, I, I kind of have two perspectives on this. So one is that I think 
we sometimes forget around radio that our stations are a mood service. And we recently, you mentioned at the beginning of this call, the research that we just did with Smith Geiger across the country. We surveyed over 2000 uh, listeners and viewers and asked all kinds of questions about what they're doing with media, what they're doing more of, what they're doing less of. And we also did focus groups with 100 radio listeners and TV viewers. And over and over again, when our focus group moderator would ask questions about why people listen to radio, they start using emotional words. So they'll say, you know, I get into the car and I relax and I turn on this station or at night I'll listen to this station because this is really, you know, it just helps me to be to to uh, chill or they'll say when it when it's time to get pumped up on the weekend or I'm ready to go out, I turn this on. But there is a definite connection between mood and our stations. And I think that, you know, we sometimes because we get caught up in all of the you know, we'll just say it, political noise of being in the media industry and all of the many masters that we have to serve on a day-to-day basis. You know, we kind of lose that. We are like a mood switch. You know, people turn on our channel or our station for a specific reason at a specific point in time to feel a certain way. Or they expect that when they see something about you on social or they're interacting with your brand that you stand for something in particular. And I think that's you know, that drifts over time. I loved what you said about music drift and your mm-hmm. business, because I think that happens in general with any business. But, you know, that brand drift that we kind of forget what our secret sauce is. The speed of our business is rapido. And the speed of the tune outs are also rapid. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, people go away. They come and go so easily and so fast. Um, You know, I also think that we struggle with moving our content into the on-demand space. I think we're very used to thinking in linear terms, you know. Oh, yeah. One thing we've talked a lot about over this last year and that we've seen a lot about is this idea of a conditional tune-in. So if you think about this, Lloyd, you're driving down the road and you listen, you turn on one of your favorite stations. And then what happens next? You listen for a few seconds. And if you like what you hear, you stay on that station. And then until you're offended or until you kind of like come back to, you know, your, uh, you know, an exploring mind, mind wandering, then you go off to another station. But what happens now is that in an on demand space where people are more conditioned to listen to podcasts and they consume more and more of their media through activity feeds, whether it's Facebook or Instagram uh, and so on and so forth, you know, they're they don't hit play until they've already looked at three things the image about mm-hmm. what you're talking about, mm-hmm. the description or the keywords, and the yes. runtime. So they'll yes. look at the runtime and they'll say, okay, I only have five minutes right now, but this thing looks like it's going to last 18 minutes. I'm not going to hit play on it. Or, and, and you know what? Here's why, because they have FOMO. Yeah. They're, right. they're afraid if I start this, I'm going to miss something. I'm going to I'm going to come for the thing I'm looking for. I'm not going to get it. I will waste time and I will junk it. So true. So I'm not going to do it. Right. So true. Right. And and that's why I mean, I think that this is this is a new kind of skill set that we have to have around the content oh. that we're creating for audio. But we have to get into the metadata that we create with each 
break with each content and, break. so and you know, the, the visual keywords the exactly the, oh, the yeah. visual and and to have a variety of runtime so it's not always two minutes it's not always five minutes it's not already not already always you know longer form 15 but you have a variety of different lengths of content you have a yep. visual that makes somebody want to hit play oh. and you have keywords that get you surfaced more often in you know in using social algorithms our our research uh, recently just showed that 75 percent of americans start their day each week with Facebook at least one day Thank per you. week. And so if you're in the Facebook feed with audio content or with content that gets them to go turn on your stream or listen to your content on demand, you're way, way ahead of competitors. But there's so much more than that. I mean, uh, it's it's that it's also about what you're actually doing in, with your content. Are you actually Correct. doing anything that's related to a current trend or are you just out there? I mean, we live in an SE, an SEO world. We live in a, a world that surfaces our content based on what people are searching on right now. It's just yes. like the reality. We can all get over it now. So we have to we have to use social media and AI to actually show us what people care about this minute and talk about those topics and use those yeah. topics in our on-demand content. And then we will we'll be in social feeds and we'll get more people to use our linear oh. stream. We've been building and perfecting over a decade now that uses AI to take real-time data from Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and over 100,000 news sources, and it can show you what's trending in your local market and what's predicted to trend based on early signals that we're getting in the market now. So we can say right now in Birmingham with women 25 to 44 years old, these are the things that are starting to trend and that will be trending over the next four hours. And conversely, we can also say what is no longer trending and what you might want to recut your voice tracks or your content around uh, so that you know exactly what to do on the air, what to do on your social feeds, what to do in any of your on-demand or your, you know, your short-form programming. And, um, and we've seen that, you know, this actually, this, this started with radio, but we now have TV stations, TV networks using it, publishers who use it, who are all looking for a way to understand what audiences want in real time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And this is surgical. That's what I like about it. It's surgical on the personality level. So yes. they can grab and go. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because, you know, there's no need to to dig into, you know, the, the system. AI should help you to move faster um, and uh, and to get quick insights into what you need. So you can open up one dashboard and see exactly what people are talking about now and quickly use that content and move on. This is where I have my opportunity to thank you for becoming a member of the Encouragers. By doing that one thing, you are casting your vote for something we believe in. That is that radio employees, those in audio and those working in innovation need and should get regular and consistent encouragement. Thank you for downloading, subscribing to both of our podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally podcast, both available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast today. One of the joys of our 2021 interviews was talking with music programming guru Guy Zapolian. There's simply no other word to use with him. There's, there's no other word for Guy Zapolian. He is well known to be a brilliant music programmer and somebody who fundamentally understands the hits, understands music cycles, and a lot more about radio, audience, listeners, and how it all comes together. We talked with Guy Zapolian on a special episode of Innovation and in Audio. What do you think we talked about? Music? Well, it all started with how to judge time 
in the radio business. There are three times in every business industry format or radio station. Time to make the rules, time to keep the rules, and time to reinvent the rules. Time to make the rules uh, was when you were just starting out with a product, a new station, and you're realizing what works and what doesn't. Time to keep the rules when those rules you made are still working. Time to break the rules when your product, your radio station, is no longer successful or you have a new generation of listeners and you need to reinvent and change the rules for them. Many people think it's the latter time in our industry right now and that we need to reinvent everything and throw out the old rules, the old tools, but honestly, that's really, really a tragic mistake. Can you please tell us the importance of your station's music mix in building consensus among music fans in your market? You've heard of the 22 immutable laws of marketing by recent trout. Absolutely. Well, I had a tw 23rd immutable law, and that was uh, delivered expectation. And um, I, I did quite well as a consultant because uh, that was my number one most broken rule when I went into fixed radio stations during my 40 and, and during my 45 years in radio. Uh, so many times would be called in to fix a station with a GM and the programmers would want to change the sound or veer towards some more successful format during that rating period because they had a bad rating book and they blamed the music mix or even the format. And it was quite often not the music, but could have been the morning show or a lack of marketing or contesting or uh, probably the most uh, of it. Most times it was just a bad Nielsen survey that would correct itself the next rating period. Nothing, absolutely nothing from a music standpoint is more important to your station success than making sure your powers, your down powers or, your, or stay currents, your recurrence and your gold are super strong. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense, right? Yep. Yep. And down powers are, you know, some people call them stay currents. I call them down powers. Um, some people used to call them back in the day stash, but it's really that category that's between a power current and as songs drop out of there, they don't just go to recurrent and play once a day. They play, you know, every five, six, seven hours. I'd, I'd wager a billion dollars that a lot of radio stations power categories are not nearly as strong as their program programmers think. So let's talk about a big secret that escapes most broadcasting companies, except one that I won't go into, where it's, it's a standard operating procedure. And that big secret is the spoke system, something that I actually developed in the 90s, a system that creates foundational building blocks for your music. Spokes are like the spokes in a bicycle wheel that support that wheel. They aren't necessarily just the best testing songs. Spokes need to be bulletproof, immensely popular and familiar touchstones for your listeners. But most importantly, spokes need to have huge appeal with both your core and your non-core. And that didn't mean just total. That means core and your non-core. OK, so you structure your clock strategically with at least every other song being a spoke. And that way you can use them to sandwich the weaker songs you play in between. You know, anything from brand new songs to mediums, and I even consider B's non-spokes. Um, that way, when you build the expectation in your audience that if they hear a song they don't like or just switch away from a commercial, you train them to come back to your brand because before your format competitors. Why? Because of the way you created your music clocks with every other song being a spoke that appeals to both core 
and QM slash non-core. I don't think radio programmers have the time they need to just listen to music. Um, I personally think not doing that is a tragic mistake and it makes radio totally dependent on the labels for the potential hits for their format. And, and it's tragic because there's so many people in our business today that really have great ears, but um, just because of the way things are, they, they really aren't allowed to use them as much as they should. Uh, many people in our industry, um, from the, especially from the label, and but as well from the radio side, think it's time, it's that time to change the rules, break the rules, and throw out music call-out research and digital, even digital sales to them is less important. Um, you know, and these are tools we've used for 40 plus years. Um, you know, after all, everyone's streaming music these days, aren't they? <laughs> well, they are. But um, while, you know, at the same time, we know from multiple studies that streaming and we know that streaming music is growing more common every year and more and more people are, you know, are going to be doing streaming. And that is the future. We all know that. OK, but, you know, still at this point in time, more people listen to radio every day than stream music, podcast, talk, audio entertainment, or even stream radio. For music, while I believe streaming data, as well as Shazam, hit predictor, sales, M scores, are incredibly helpful in finding hits early, and can even help you establish what the hits are weeks before music callout can. You can't get targeted demographic and station fan specific or format information about songs from streaming, at least what format, what genres, uh, formats rather these songs are popular with. You have to have some kind of local call out research, um, you know, from a, or, or call out from a very similar market or station in your region. So my recommendation is to combine all these resources together so you can build a really great research cocktail that'll help you find the hits and create a hit oriented and exciting music mix. So uh, what's the uh, score for call out? It's 10. You say that's a that's a ten out of yeah. one to ten, correct? That's a, that's a ten out of one to ten. It's absolutely mm -hmm. the most important tool, and it's absolutely critical to have that or a reasonable facsimile to do your rotations. Absolutely, um, every other important tool, while valuable, must be used together. To me, each of these next three tools only has a value of two for each one. And wow. since even combined, these tools only add up to a six. To me. They're definitely much less important when doing your actual rotations than, than uh, the call out, which is the 10. Please know we have tons of free encouragement along with specific advice for programming and sales in the radio business, as well as practical advice to help anyone in business get more attention today. And you know how important that is. You want to try it out yourself? Go to RainmakerPathway.com and have a look at our free blog section to see what you can get for free from our team right now. So, Listen, you think we're kidding when we say we talk to real-world innovators every single week on innovation and audio. Patrick Baggert, who is the VP of Artificial Intelligence at Samsung SDS Worldwide, was a fascinating guest on the innovation and audio. He talked with us about the two guys in a the garage theory about innovation and, of course, some of the reality 
of resources today when it comes to innovation. Now, you and I tend to maybe read things about like Apple that got founded in the garage with two guys tinkering oh, around. Sure. sure. That's the modern day. Um, and innovation can take place because, you know, one person or, or a couple of people have a brilliant idea and somehow manifest it into a product. But there are plenty of innovative things that cannot be done by a couple of people. It needs hundreds uh, of people. Oh, yeah. um, and then you need an institution with organizations and bureaucracy and a couple of accountants. Um, oh. And one of those institutions, of course, is Samsung, uh, for whom I work Absolutely. nowadays. We do have much larger teams um, and we do get a lot of innovation done that Again, could, could not be done in a garage with two guys. For those of us who like to participate in innovation, we have to get our story together and tell a really good story that fits in with the model of the direction people can go or can feel good about going, or we're going to have trouble, right? Right. Trouble. So if, if, you're, if you're a domain expert and you want an AI person to develop a model for you, you basically have to take that AI person by the hand and... Mm -hmm put them through a little two, three day internship like you would a high school student who doesn't know anything about your area and teach them. Right. So, so I think attitude plays a really good role for people in these things as well. Wouldn't you say, Patrick? It does for sure. Uh, I now, mean, Edison nine out of 10 had, times, if you're, if you're failing, right, you have to, you have to think about what that means. Yes, absolutely. Now Edison had a tremendous advantage. Um, he had, a large fortune. He could afford yes. to uh, fail a lot of times and keep going. A lot of us, um, you know, if we're talking about the venture world, uh, startups and so on, we can afford to fail perhaps once um, mm. at, at a stretch, maybe twice. Uh, but if you fail more often than that, you'll be out of money. Is that is that true working for somebody like Samsung as well? I mean, there's so much pressure to be right. Uh, there, there is there's certainly a lot, a lot of pressure to be right. Um, mm -hmm. And um, you you do need to make a very, very strong case that you'll be successful very early on in your process. So essentially, before right. you have any results, you need to guarantee that you'll have good results, which is impossible. But Crazy. that's that's the usual uh, a corporate environment, and everybody knows that. So you have to hedge your bets, right? If you generate a reputation for, in the end, delivering it. So if if you you know if you've done five projects and four of them turned out successful, and you have a pretty good reputation, if you come with the idea number six, you'll be okay. That's right. But if you, if you develop it. a reputation for failure, then after three or four ideas, you'll be asked to go home. By the way, you can go to RainmakerPathway.com and our free blog section to listen to the full episode featuring any guest you're hearing on this special. Just look for audio. You'll see it right when you tune in to our free blog section. You'll see a little thing says audio and you just go and claim the one you want to listen to. Or you can simply subscribe anytime to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. Get it on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast right now. And listen to any interview in our archive. And our archives are growing. I got excited personally when I got an opportunity to talk with Grant Dudson. As you're going to hear, he lives in London. He is the creative director of Chorus Agency in England. And he talked about the path to understanding that he is really someone who works with experience, 
works in experience and in innovation. He literally talked with us on innovation and audio about how to do innovation. Anything remotely associated with creativity gets quite complex for the person to kind of work out how they make it a commercial pursuit. For a long, long time, you know, I was really lost. And I think as a creative, you'll generally find that you're, you're, you're actually quite good at lots of really interesting creative mediums. But the problem with that, and it's a blessing and a curse, is that, you know, you, you might love photography and you, you might love writing music and you might love dabbling in painting, but how do you actually make money from it? And, you know, ultimately you do have to find a way of specializing in, in, in something. And I ended up kind of, you know, being in a band for two years. At one point I went to university to study graphic design. Um, I didn't land an experiential uh, until the end of my 20s. Before that, I, I'd had this crazy turbulent journey trying to kind of figure out what my kind of creative fingerprint was, I suppose, and, and how I could make that a commercially viable um, uh, kind of proposition in my life. Uh, it wasn't until experiential kind of landed on, on my, um, my lap uh, that, that I really knew how to kind of create something that could actually start to make me money. So I've had a really interesting journey, but I think all of these experiences, they all ladder up to what I do now. Because ultimately, you need to understand people and you need to understand what experiences look like and how to create something that's actually really going to get people excited. So I think all of this experience that I've had has already you know, added massive value to what I do now. Strange as it sounds, people forget that innovation involves experiences. You, you've got to get out there and you've got to be willing to put in the hours. That, that's okay. number one. The, the second thing is you've got to network your backside off. I don't think I've ever really landed a job that has you know, been kind of through the process of me handing in a, a CV. It's generally been off the back of me meeting people, talking about what it is that I do, what I stand for, how I think, you know, and putting myself out there. What's the most radical thing that you've done to date, Grant? Um, I've done, I've, done a, I've done a lot of radical things. I mean, you know, the, my personality is always trying to do something that stands out. I mean, even outside of what, what I do professionally. Yes. And, um, and I think that's just part of my DNA. And I think that that's incumbent with, with, within the approach that I, um, I push forth in my projects. But I, I think I'd probably say, you know, when we created the interactive dance floor for Hewlett Packard, that was a bit of a groundbreaking moment, to be honest with you. Um, and it was a project that we had a, a couple of other agencies going for it and no one could land it. And I had to go in last minute, um, sit around a, a table with about 10 of, of uh, HP's kind of head honchos. And, and they were like, we've only got seven weeks and we need to come up with an idea and nobody knows what to do. And then literally this, this just popped into my head. There was a, a, a technology called PaveGen that effectively creates kinetic energy when you walk over it. And I thought, actually, hold on. This is interesting. We could create something that's a little bit similar to this, an interactive dance floor that powers up the light show that increases the intensity and, and the dialogue between the audience and, and the actual band itself. And, you know, because at the end of the day, if, if the band's doing their job, then people are going to be jumping up and down and getting really Correct. excited. How could we actually precipitate that into... A, a physical experience, you know, and through the lighting design and the light show, 
all of that energy that was going into that dance floor would then power up that light show. So the more they danced, the more they jumped up and down, the more animated and energetic that whole experience would be. You know, every single week on Wednesdays, we have a special guest for you on the Encouragers right here on your smartphone from anywhere, no matter where you are, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, boom. It's innovation and audio. We talked with Howard Moskovitz, and I have become a friend of this guy. I'm so, I mean, it's mesmerizing to spend time with him, and I get to do that pretty regularly now. But he literally reinvented the way your local grocery store operates, and he changed the brand and revenue life of many products that you know about. And and some of them were clearly invented because of Howard. He is the co-founder and scientific director of the World Institute of Competitive Excellence today. But Howard is really a researcher. He talked with us about the misunderstanding that marketers often make today and how the world changes when you experiment. I'm very simple. I'm a New Yorker. Stop giving me the marketing language of we we are slightly to the better of our competitors, slightly worse. We have a disadvantage. You want to make more money? Yeah. Make a good product and people will eat it. Make it so delicious that they can't stop but buy more and more and more. How do you keep yourself from forming preconceived ideas before the research tells you where you should go. I'm not a researcher. I'm a scientist. All I need to do is plot out a path. I have a lot of ingredients or a lot of words. What's the relation between what I mix and how people like it? I don't care what they like. I just want to know whether nature is lawful. What is the relation between the words I select and the scores I get. Can you explain that nature is lawful? Did you say that? Thank you for asking me because I'm going to get myself into a lot of trouble, but I'm open-minded uh, and I'm, uh, I'm uh, pretty outspoken. I do not believe in having any innate ability whatsoever. I just believe that if you follow certain steps and explore things, in a systematic way, or as my professor said, stop it, stop thinking and stop hypothesizing. Just do the damn experiment. Excuse me, excuse me, just do the damned experiment. And I learned that. I'm not interested in what the right answer is. There is no right answer. I just want to know what the relationship is like an engineer, and I'm gonna pick a point on that relationship, that curve, that looks like it satisfies what I need. I don't have to know about the metaphysics of a tomato. You think that I invented all this. One doesn't invent these ideas. One just takes the ideas and applies them. And rather than applying them for my own selfish things, which is very tempting, I realized there are kids all around Orphans. There are kids in, 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 in the poor areas of the United States, areas of Colombia, areas of Egypt. Let them do these experiments. Make the kids experimenters. You don't have to have an experiment on how to sell uh, Colgate dental cream. You can have a kid sitting there with his friends and doing this technology And then saying, okay, the question is, how do we get people to clean up their garbage? And 
you have a topic, you do what I did for the heart, only you say four questions about aspects of cleaning up garbage, four answers to each question, press the button, run the study, and the answers come out. You have a kid who's thrilled for the rest of his life and making the children experts in research so that instead of playing simple video games and passing their time in a sort of a hopeless way, you create kids with vim and with vigor, with hope, and with a desire to live because they're doing something really great. Does that sound good to you? Oh, it does sound good to us. And we hope you enjoy every single week of our meet and greets with innovators active in the world right now on innovation and audio. We're here every single week, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays. 2022 is, take it from me, is going to be a powerful and amazing year. Nobody knows the future, but innovators will get there first. Thank you for listening to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. Our thanks to all of our guests for being on this special episode called An Innovative Look at Your Future. And of course, just for being great innovators and sharing what they do. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which should be available right now. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Please do share our podcast, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others that you know are interested in their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is our on-demand play for you. Take it when you want to. Listen to it when you want to, when you're working out, when you're on a road trip, whatever you've got planned. Our podcasts are both available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you can get your podcast today. I'm Lloyd Ford from Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. It is our pleasure to do this for you live on the Clubhouse app and make it available in podcast form. We help radio, podcasters, and a wide variety of other businesses, business owners, and managers in and out of media. Call me anytime if I can help you. We make it affordable and we always show our value. Our work is confidential and consultation is absolutely free. 864-448-4169. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else you heard today, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation and Audio and the Encouragers. Good night.